Hello, my name is Matthew Philbrick, host of The Real Game, a podcast by coaches for coaches. Welcome to episode four of The Real Game. I don't want to spend a lot of time uh, wasting time on chit chat this morning because I want to get right to our guest this morning. Uh, my guest with me today is Coach Josh Beers. Uh, Josh and I have been a longtime friends. Uh, we we went together to college up in northern Wisconsin, which, believe it or not, was a lot colder than it even is right now in southeastern Pennsylvania. And uh, we we both played four years of basketball together there under Coach Denny Scott. And, and grew to be good friends. And I value uh, Josh's input over the years. Josh is, is one of these guys that I go to for advice occasionally when when uh, things are going awry with my basketball team or uh, just sometimes life in general. Uh, Josh has a great, a great perspective on things. I thought it'd be great to have him on here. So welcome to the show, Josh. Matt, thanks so much for the opportunity to be here with you and love the work you're doing and love the ongoing impact you're having through coaching. Yeah, I appreciate that. But listen, before we talk about coaching, let's talk about Eagles football for just a second. All right. I know you're I know you could talk all day about this, but I'm only going to give it a minute. Um, You know, I'm not an Eagles fan, but I do appreciate good football. And uh, I don't know a lot about the Eagles, but I know they have a young quarterback and a great defense. Um, what do you think about the Super Bowl? Like, what's going to happen there? Well, it's easier for me to talk about it knowing they won a few years ago because I've suffered for a lot of years as a Philadelphia sports fan. But I like their <laughs> chances because they're playing well together. And obviously, football at the professional level comes down to taking care of the ball, and hopefully they don't turn the ball over. But it should be a great game because the Chiefs and Mahomes are great. Um, should be a lot of fun. But I really like their chances simply because – they're, they are really locked in. Philadelphia, you have to live near Philadelphia. There's a certain mindset that exists that they love when people hate on them, and yep. it unifies them, and that probably is pulling them together as well. So I'm hopeful. I'm going to enjoy it and uh, probably not live quite as vicariously as I did a few years ago with it. <laughs> well, as a result, you'll probably enjoy the game more than you did a few years ago. Last year, I didn't eat the entire game. So this That's... year, I at least plan to eat a little bit like I there do you every go. year. There you go. Well, good. Yeah, it should be a, it should be a great game. Honestly, I, I hope the Eagles win because I can't put up with you know everybody being in a bad mood for two weeks after the game. So, uh, anyway, so Josh, listen, why don't you tell us a little bit about um, why you became a coach? You know, I know you've coached different sports here and there, on and off, and and maybe who was influential in that process for you when you were younger. Thanks, Matt. And I love thinking about my nearly thirty year journey now as a coach. I've been coaching soccer and basketball from youth levels up through college level for nearly three decades now. Uh, Loved sports growing up. It was Mm -hmm. my passion and full candor. I had a negative coaching experience in high school um, that God has actually used in an incredible way for positive in my life because of some of the things that took place. I love sports so much, so I pushed through it. But it was when I got to college, you mentioned our uh, fun journey together for four years with Denny Scott uh, in basketball. And then my journey with Jim Phillips, who has been a lifelong mentor and friend to me playing soccer there. 
that's where uh, the ministry and impact that a coach can make became real for me. And I got to look back on my high school experience and say, wow, I don't want to make people feel the way I felt as a student athlete in high school and what a platform we have to make a difference in people's lives. Um, I stand on the shoulders of men like Jim Phillips and Denny Scott in shaping sure. uh, the last 30 years of my coaching journey. Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm with you there. I, I think I've alluded to the fact that, you know, what, a, what an influence that, and I didn't play soccer or so, but I did know coach Phillips and I know the impact he had on you guys. And then obviously coach Scott and the impact he had on, on you and on me and on other guys that we played with. And just, and that continues even these days, you know, I, I, look to guys like that uh, in my own life to, to provide guidance and, and leadership and mentoring still now. And I'm 50 years old, you know? So I don't think uh, coach Scott has aged much though. The last time I saw him, I think he looks younger than I do now. Yeah. It's amazing. I think getting <laughs> out of the golf course has helped him stay young. Uh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So you, you just mentioned interestingly enough uh, that you kind of had a negative uh, coaching experience in high school. So when you think of your days as an athlete, um, you know, and your relationship with coaches and stuff like that, what comes to mind more? Is it certain big games and milestones the things you've experienced that way? Or is it, is it certain coaches in your life that, that pops into your head? Such a good question to think about because certainly it's fun to reminisce on games and special accomplishments that took place. Um, I think they they fade as time goes by, or even in our own minds, we become better if we want to portray them or your kids don't even believe we right, ever played. Right. Um, but the reality of it is, without a doubt, uh, it's the impact of a coach uh, and the impact of the life shaping that took place. We've mentioned our college coaches who were mentors to us, mm-hmm. the lessons they taught us beyond the game and through the game. Um, right. Even in the difficult moments, as well as the great moments. Um, so it's tough. It's, in some ways, it's tough to separate that, Matt, because I think of um, if it had always been negative during those, if there was no accomplishments, I wonder if it would mean as much. Right. Um, but without a doubt, um, the influence of a coach lives long beyond the last championship, the last cutting down of the nets, the last trophy or whatever, or even personal accomplishment that takes place. Um, but I do think the culture of those experiences are magnified by the influence of a coach. And so bus rides and, you know, we were in the middle of nowhere in Wisconsin. And so, mm-hmm. you know, eight and 10 and 12 hour bus trips were part of it. And those are every bit as meaningful to me and the influence of the coaches and teammates I had that are now lifelong friends as it was, whether we won or lost a game sure. or, or a championship. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was, as you were talking, I was thinking in my mind, those long bus rides, you know, I think of, I think of our experiences together playing basketball at Northland, the trips we took to, to the mission field, uh, you know, to the Bahamas or Mexico, uh, the, the, excuse me, the long bus rides that we had, uh, sneaking some, you know, some conversations at the top of the, the front of the bus with, with coach Scott, you know, yep. on those long trips and, and, those were great times, but those times wouldn't have been possible without those men there, you know, yeah. leading the way. And, and that's what I remember. I, I remember my, between my junior and senior year, you know, we had a great, we had a great class come in 
that year. Your brother, I think, was part of that. And I just remember thinking, I don't know what my role is going to be on the team next year. I don't even know if I want to be a part of the team my senior year. I remember Coach Scott pulling me aside and just encouraging me to stick with it. Um, And I did. And then we ended up, I think, going to Missouri that last year, had some success there. And I I remember him putting his arm around me after that game and just saying, are you glad you stuck with it? And that just, of course I was, you know, in that moment, it was like that wouldn't have been possible without his encouragement and without those guys kind of coming alongside and, and encouraging us to do the right thing and to stick with it and to see it through. So good, good point. Yeah. And I like to hear you say that because you've done the same now over the last couple of decades to put your arm around players. And I think you, you can't minimize what you had. You said, you know what, that's it. I'm going to be done. You wouldn't have been able to pass on if he hadn't done that for you. How many how many people have you put your arm around the same way? Sure. And that's sure. why when we think back on athletics, it's those coaches who helped prepare us for life. And that was a great example of just one of probably countless that we could share for hours about right. what uh, Coach Scott and for me, Coach Phillips as well, invested into my life. Right, right. Josh, when you when you think about your own coaching philosophy what would you place more emphasis on uh, to your players? Would it be developing skills and strategy or, or focusing more on any, and I know you're, I know you're going to say partly it's hard to separate those two, but, or would it be on developing relationships with your players and what yields the most fruit? That's such a great, uh, because you need both, obviously, like you said, hard to separate, but I think one of the things that for every coach, particularly younger coaches to think about is what do we naturally gravitate to? And if I gravitate to one over the other, how hard will I work at the other? Mm -hmm. So for me, relationships are such a natural inborn into who I am. I'm going to um, do that without even trying to do it. And so I actually have to spend significant time saying I've got to get better in my ability to teach this subject, which happens to be soccer right now, or if it's basketball or baseball or whatever sport that is because I'm already going to work on the relationships. Someone who just loves the game, but doesn't necessarily have the people skills better spend significant time working on that area. So right, right. You, you can't be a great coach if you don't do both well. Sure. Um, sure. For me, I think obviously the longer lasting one is the relationships with my players. Um, and certainly I think magnified now with the type of, uh, the type of young student athlete growing up today is probably even maximized more so. Mm-hmm. But I think for me, where I work at things is in the skill side, only because relationships are what is I can almost just want to coach kids and forget that, you know what, if I don't know how to break a half court trap or if I don't know how to run a good set play out of an inbounds or if we don't know how to set up our defensive alignment, whatever it is, I'm going to hinder um, the ability to go deeper with my players. Right, right. Yeah, I know. That's a good point. Um, I probably struggle with the same thing. I think. For some types of coaches, relate the relationship part just comes easier. Um, and I think I've played for probably both types of coaches, and I've I've been around both types of coaches. And even now, you know, I'm still surrounded by some of the coaches where I feel like the X's and O's come easier, and the relationship part maybe comes a little harder. So there's there's both types of coaches out there, and it's not it's not to fault any of them. It's like you say, whatever you whatever you comes naturally to you. You're going to have to work harder at the other at the other part of it to be successful. Yeah, I think I think Denny Scott was a good example for us, Matt. I don't think I met a 
a better coaching genius when it came to excellent. You, you know, you give him a chance to set an inbounds. We, I don't know how many inbounds plays we ran that. I think he was making it up on the fly. And yeah. next thing you know, he, he stole two more points for us or a wide open three point shot or whatever else. Incredible in the one-on-one relationships. We, you and I could both tell countless stories of where his personal touch in our lives. And then he wasn't a rah-rah motivating type coach. No. And so he found ways to either leverage his players or to leverage someone else to do that aspect of it because it mm-hmm. wasn't who he was. Sure. And yep. so I think finding who you are and then saying, where can I complement my weaknesses in this area while still accentuating my strengths is key to that, you know, as as you look through the whole of coaching. Right, right. Yeah, I never, re- I never really remember Coach Scott raising his voice that much at us or the refs. Or I do remember him getting excited here and there, and 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 talking to the refs a little bit. I know one one of his goals he would always always say was his his goal was to make the refs laugh or smile yep. during the game, and I think that kind of helped. You know, not the not that refs are taking sides, but that kind of helped get get them on his side a little bit. And and uh, he was just he was great that way. So so do you think, Josh, that Athletes perform at a higher level for coaches they connect connect with relationally. I don't think I know. Yeah, that they that it's a definitely, and I think that we need to recognize as we coach young people today, um, relationships twenty years ago. The reality of the the breakup of what the family looks like. I mean, we we have to look at society as a whole. And even while social media and other things, kids have more quote unquote relationships, they are starving for meaningful relationships. Sure. Yep. So I think the connectivity of a coach today in 2023 compared to 1990 when we were playing is significantly more important than it was. So it mattered then, but I think it matters more now. And I think any coach who is serious about being successful on or off uh, the court or field who doesn't pay attention to this will not be successful. And I could trace all the way back even to the Eagles playing the Super Bowl and Andy Reid coaching the Chiefs. Both of those are highly player coaches in a different way. Mm-hmm. But even at the highest level, the relationship matters. And right. um, we probably can't talk about that enough in developing the next generation of coaches, because I believe, you know, my time is going to start to wind down probably as a coach, but there's a lot of 20 somethings coming up who seem to care only about winning. Right. And I would say, if you want to win, then build relationships. You're it's actually going to help your teams play better when they know coach cares and believes in them. I agree. I, I agree completely with you. I, I think of I think of experiences, not only in the coaching world, but in the, in just the working world that I've had where, you know, for example, I, I managed a Chick-fil-A for a few years. And the first thing I tried to do when I brought new people in was get to know them on a personal level. And it's really, and if you, if you can show, take an interest in their lives and be genuinely invested in what's going on in them as a person, not to make this sound selfish or anything, but they will give back to you a hundred percent. Like they'll do, they'll do anything for you. You know, if you can, if you can show that you love them and you genuinely care for them, they will give back to you a hundred percent. Yep. I think that's funny, Matt, because, because it's so true. Like you can be a selfish coach and like, you could literally say I'm self-seeking as a coach and be into relationships. Now, your players at some point will probably see through that, which would be good, right. but there is no winning without relationships. 
Yeah. Um, that's just the reality of it. Um, so why not genuinely care and not only be successful in the immediate, but be sex successful long-term in, in, in their life journey. Um, yeah. And yet you and I both see it. How many times where the way a coach treats a player uh, or the way you see that relationship is that somehow that coach, even I think tough love belongs in deep relationships, sure. uh, but somehow if a player doesn't believe I care, uh, that responsibility falls on me as a coach. Definitely. Um, and that doesn't mean I, you know, placate them or allow them to get do whatever they want, but they need to know if that if that demands a coach Scott pulling up to the front of the bus and saying, hey man, I get it. Um, your mm-hmm. role's gonna change. I need you to embrace this. But you were a valuable part of the success of that team in a different way. Right. That fellow right. coach who cared about Matt the person before he cared about Matt the player. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I see, I saw, and I'll just give a brief example of how that, how I've seen that play out on the basketball court. Um, a couple of years ago, there was a team um, in our league, Westchester Christian school who was, was made it. They, they beat us in the semifinals. They made it into the championship game. And honestly, Josh, they, from a, from a talent perspective, they didn't deserve to be there. They were going up against a very, very tough Coventry Christian school who had not lost a game all year. And I could tell right from the beginning of that game, there was a special connection between those players at Westchester and their coach who was a young, he was a young coach um, that there wasn't on the other side of the, of the bench with the Coventry guys and Westchester ended up winning that game. And I think it was, it was purely, it was an anomaly. And then it was purely based on the fact that, these these kids wanted to perform for their coach who cared about them and they just took that to the next level in that game yep and i and i don't think we can minimize to your really good example there as a coach we want our players to know we believe in them that they can win even when they're an underdog or facing what seems sure. to be you know you've faced some adversity this year with some injuries and other things you have to believe in them, but your players don't believe that you believe in them unless they know you care about them Right. When a coach tries to sell his players on, hey, I believe in you, let's go do this. They're processing in their minds, is coach trustworthy? Does coach care about me? And if those things are they're checking the boxes, it's easy then to say, okay, coach said we can win this game and he's telling us how, let's go do this thing. Right. Yeah. No, you're exactly right. You're exactly right. We've And we've seen that play out. You know, we've all seen that play out time yep. and time again. So uh, kind of at, at, in wrapping things up here, Josh, what advice would you give to young coaches or coaches that are struggling to connect with their athletes? Like, you know, it's such, obviously we've determined it's such a huge part of a coach and a coach's life and of a player's life, really. If they're struggling with that, with that aspect of their coaching, what, what advice would you give to them? I think it starts with a coach asking themselves, <laughs> why am I coaching? I don't think we can minimize for young coaches. Why are you getting into coaches? Are you trying to climb a ladder or are you, are you wanting to make an impact? Right. Um, And that dynamic is just being honest with yourself. And then I think the second part of it is, is again, probably the ones who are struggling to connect. uh, There's two aspects of that, that I think of immediately. One is um, there's certain type of athletes that all of us will struggle to connect to. Definitely. And so we just need to acknowledge that, you know what, this group that I click with is easy and to be disciplined enough to not just connect with them and leave these three or four kids that are maybe a, a struggle for me to connect to in some way is every player matters. Sure. 
And so for me in that aspect of it, when it comes to that, and as probably a highly relational coach, I actually still keep on my, I coach a lot with a three by five card. I write the practice plan out. I actually write down the names of players I want to encourage that night because by default, I can end up encouraging my most committed players or the ones I naturally connect to. So I run that list through to make sure that every player over the course of three or four practices is going to, they probably hear it multiple times positive for me, but I won't by accident leave a player out because I'm checking my own list in front of me. So that's, yeah, that's, but that's maybe a great that's idea. H2, man. I might just start to be getting old. And, um, <laughs> but the reality of it is, is that can't be. Yeah. If I say I'm intentional about caring about all my players, um, especially when I'm coaching and you're, you know, you're coming into down the stretch playoffs, everything else, you can really be locked in on your you know, you're starting five and your next three or four kids that get in and maybe that 11th or 12th player right. can start to disconnect. And yet you need his effort and practice, or you need him to do things that are going to be not seen by everyone else. How do I show that care? So I think of that immediately with the ones I don't connect with on the other side of it, with the group as a whole, I think there's nothing more important than letting them see. And I'd encourage those who are listening to go back and listen to episode two. Um, when you just talked about with your family, like opening up your home, letting them see your humanity, letting them see you struggle, letting them see your family, everything about that brings a human side that lets them know you care about them as a person before you ever care about them as a player. Sure. And there's a bunch of different ways to do that. You know, my wife back in the early years was, you know, making snacks. We had people, players over to our house. It's mm-hmm. goofy, fun things you do at the end of a practice. It can be a bunch of different ways inside right. of the personality of who you are as a coach. I would simply say is if you're not connecting, um, one, find a mentor who's older than you who will help you make those connections. And, and then yeah. two, if you're not connecting, you probably need to go back to your philosophy of coaching because maybe there's something in you that needs to adjust because – Young people gravitate to the oldest person who takes them seriously. And as a coach, you're older than them. So if you're taking them seriously and who they are, there's a very good chance that you're going to be making a connection at some level or another. But it takes intentionality to your very good question. Yeah, I agree. I agree with you 100 percent. Make make the connections first. Like you're going to choose, even if it comes hard for you, even if it's takes you out of your comfort zone and it's not, it's not who you are. Like you said, maybe, maybe you ought to be questioning why you're coaching to begin with. But, but if you know it to be true, like, Hey, I, I know I need to develop relationships with these players. I'm just not sure how to go about it. Surround yourself with people that can help you do that. Make that a priority. And then I feel like the wins and the success will come as a result, as a byproduct of that later on. It might not be right away. It might not be in the first five games, but it will It will come if those relationships are made and cultivated and developed. Um, the, win- the wins will will start to come later on, I believe. Yeah, without a doubt. Trust, trust is real and no relationship, no trust. So in the deepest moments, if you haven't cultivated, don't be surprised to your players don't make the big plays late in the game. I want sure. my players knowing in those key moments – that I have hundred percent confidence in them and I'm going to love them unconditionally win or lose. I think that frees them up to play their very best, which often then brings more often than not potentially those results that they get to remember for a lifetime. Yeah. 
No, you're exactly right. I know, I know as a coach, I'm hard on my guys a lot of times. And you probably saw it in the game last night. You know, I, I, I can yell at them during the game and sometimes, you know, we're the right player, get in their face a little bit. Yeah. Everybody takes that differently, but in the end, they're okay with it because they know that I love them. And, and at the end, I'm, I'm proud of who they are as young men and, and how they played, you know, in the end doesn't really matter to me. Yeah, so yeah, if they know win or lose, you're for them, then you yeah. can be, and, and that allows you actually to coach them harder because they right. know you care already. And that's why I love that you asked about young coaches who might struggle or, you know, we might coach 15 years and then have a team that we just don't seem to connect with. Sure. Putting the extra effort, Matt, into that, like you so wisely mentioned, is so worth it, even if it's not seen immediately. Yep, definitely, definitely. Well, Josh, I really appreciate you joining us today. Your insight, as always, is is very valuable. Um, I love this topic, and you know, maybe maybe we can get back on here together sometime with with uh, some of our old coaches and and um, discuss some things together. I am having Coach Scott on. Awesome. Um, an episode here in a couple of weeks. So I'll be looking forward to talking to him. Um, before we go, though, just I want I'm going to look at you for a prediction for the Super Bowl score. I'm writing it down. So write it down. 2420 Eagles. And I'll be singing and going to the parade in a week. Sounds good, man. I'm writing it down. I'm holding it to that. Hope it's a great game. Hope Eagles win. And uh, thanks for coming on the show, Josh. I appreciate you. Matt, thanks for your friendship and your leadership. Grateful. I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Real Game. Today, I'd like to leave you with a quote from Mike Krzyzewski, head basketball coach at Duke University from 1980 to 2022. During that time, he led the Blue Devils to five national titles, 13 Final Fours, 15 ACC tournament championships, and 13 ACC regular season titles. The quote is this. A common mistake among those who work in sport is spending a disproportional amount of time on X's and O's as compared to time spent learning about people. So good luck coaches and coach on.